I don't think I've ever been more convinced, even to this day, that God is real. GMBA Youthcast. Sometimes when we're having a rough go in life, maybe even as a result of our own choices, we can wonder if God even hears us or sees us or cares at all about our situation. But today on YouthCast, Brother Mark Cotalesi is going to share a testimony of how he realized that God's love for us, for each one of us individually, never runs out, that he's always rooting for us, always wants to see us succeed, no matter how lost we might feel. And a quick warning before we get started, the following interview contains references to substance abuse and suicide and is intended for mature audiences. The Church of Jesus Christ does not endorse recreational drug use or alcohol abuse and urges individuals considering suicide or self-harm to reach out for help and support and to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. So Mark, thank you for joining us today on YouthCast. Thank you, Jared, for having me. This testimony starts out when you're pretty young. You had this environment of love. You had the support from the church. How did things start to get off track? The first 12 years of my life, I was... um... I was a mommy's boy. Uh, believe it or not, I was very, very innocent. When I was 12, um, I was, uh, I asked my mom if I could go over to this individual's house. She said, I feel bad spirit, Mark. I don't think you should go over there right now. And I was like, what are you talking about? Bad spirit. I just want to go hang out with my friend. That's all I want to do. I want to have fun. So I disregard what she said. And I ran out the door. She couldn't chase after me. So I went to the house. I walked in on him where he was trying to commit suicide and he had a gun and a 12, a 20 gauge buckshot. Immediately. I was like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do this? And, uh, he would, he didn't say anything. It was very eerie. And I knew at that point he, he was serious about it. So I grabbed the barrel and I started pulling it down to the ground slowly and it was pointed right at me. Um, and when it got down to where my leg was, it went off on accident. I lost 75% of my muscle in my thigh. They said, if you walk, you will have a severe limp. You will have severe arthritis. But I have the most physical job probably in the world. And I never have one ounce of pain. I never have any, I can do anything that a normal person can do with just a normal leg. So praise God, he had completely healed me. I do have a scar there. And I'm glad that I do. It reminds me of what the Lord has done for me. But from that point on, I was angry and confused. I had anxiety um, to where I was having nightmares almost every, every night about it. I was in a wheelchair for about eight months straight. And, and, and I'll be honest, I asked myself, why did this happen to me? I've done everything right up to this point. Besides walk out the door and disobey my mom and, and that emotionally in my mind, I just couldn't get over. So instead of going to the Lord, instead of going to a counselor, instead of going to my parents, I went to drugs and little by little, I started doing harder and harder and harder drugs. What was your parents' response to the sudden change? So my mom, I fought her tooth and nail. I did not want to go to church. And then the main reason was, is that there's no point. I wasn't protected. That's pretty much what I felt. After a long time of trying, she said, you know what, Lord, he's in your hands. I can't do this anymore. And so what she did was, is every Sunday, she would get up 
you know, pray for Mark and Allison, please pray for Mark and Allison. We would continue every year. We would get crazier and it just got worse. And she just kept doing it. She never gave up. When I was 14 years old, I was joyriding with my friends, driving sporadically over potholes on a, on a dirt road. And we were all drunk and the girl that was driving hit a pothole and we started flipping corner by corner six times and we flipped. And then I blacked out. That's all I remember. And I woke up and I could not breathe. There was no oxygen in my chest and I was suffocating. And I remember in my mind and I said, Lord, help me, Lord. I don't know what's going on, but help me. And all of a sudden this air just rushed into my lungs. Like, and I just started coughing and I knew the Lord helped me. And so I, two days later, I was out of the hospital with bruised ribs and a compressed fracture in my spine. I felt more angry. I felt rejected. I didn't feel like God had any purpose for me. So I kept going down that road. That, no, it's, it's crazy because like in retrospect, we can see, wow, look at the hand of God sparing you from these terrible situations over and over again. But at the time, that's not how you felt at all. It's glorious now. It was total opposite before. Drug addict, drug dealer, all these different things. Anybody would stab your back to get ahead at any time. That's how it was. So I just built up these walls in my heart. If someone came to me from the church, their love came off as judging. I just couldn't see it. Any, I, you know, I was numb to it. I started to have these dreams about tornadoes these black funnels coming out of nowhere and picking me up in the, in the air and debris hitting me. And, and then right before I die, I wake up in this cold sweat and I thought, Oh, that was crazy. I, you know, I never want to have a dream like that. Well, the next night and the next night and like every other night after for about three years, I had these nightmares. And finally I thought to myself, I'm going to ask my dad about this. I'm going to ask him because he was, a very, very big spiritual influence in my life. And he's like, I don't know specifics, but I know that you're going down the wrong road. And I know that he is trying to warn you. And I didn't, I didn't even want to understand the, 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 what that meant because I, I didn't want to hear, Oh, you're going down the path of hell. So how do you get from this point where God's trying to warn you, your dad's trying to warn you, you're not ready to hear it. How does God start to catch your attention? I got a settlement from when I got shot and that settlement was 80,000 bucks. And my mom came up to me before we got in. She said, I, I know you're not going to let me just hold this money. So I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do. And she's like, but do not come to me crying because you spent all your money. Well, I partied like it was 1999, like <laughs> for a whole eight months, all my friends, Oh, they were all about me. You know, they were like, Oh, Mark, you're so great. You're <laughs> so this, you know, because I had the money. Right. And when you have something in this world, that's when people from the world cherish you and, and value you. But when, with the Lord, when you don't have anything, he sees you as you are raw. He sees you and he sees the value despite all those things. The veil was so thick over my eyes. I couldn't see anything spiritual. And so as time went on, I spent all the money. Guess what I did? I went straight to my mom. I was like, now you probably put some aside because you knew I was going to spend it all. So you probably put some aside. Where's that money? 
She's like, no, there is no more money, Mark. It's over. Like I literally was so full of rage and we got into this huge fight. And so she ended up crying. She sat down with me and she said, Mark, there's a camp out coming up this, this July. And I want you to go to it. I was like, are you kidding me? You see me right now? Do you see what my life has become? Do you think I should be a part of this? Do you think they want me there? No, they don't want me. God doesn't want me. I I pretty much cussed her out and and slammed the door and I walked out. And I was walking downtown and in my mind, it was the first time I ever really talked to the Lord besides when I was little. And I said, Lord, do you want me? A millisecond went by and Sister uh, Celeste Quinlan, she was from the church. We grew up in the church. She come running out of the storefront and just tackled me with a big old bear hug. And she was so loving to me. And then she asked me, are you coming to this upcoming camp out? For the first time, the chills came over my body and I felt God's spirit. And I, and I answered her, well, I guess I am. And I thought, that's a weird way to reply. But that was the answer. Little did I know, if I would have known three years before that, I could say, Lord, do you want me sincerely? And he would have answered me that quickly. I would have saved so much grief, so much trials, so many, uh, so much misery. And, and that's what we don't get while we're doing these things that are our fault. While we're doing those in our darkest moments, he's right there waiting He's waiting like the prodigal son and the father looking out the window. And then he goes and runs to the guy like Celeste Quinlan did. She was the Lord coming to me and saying, yes, I want you. Yes, I love you. I want you to come back. So as soon as I got done with her, I went home and called my mom and I said, mom, let's do this. I think sometimes we take our own idea of uh, of how we love each other as human beings and think, well, that's how God would be too. Well, I would run out of patience with me, so why would yeah. God care? And yeah. God is the complete opposite. Romans 5, yeah. 8, it says, here's how God showed his love. Even while we were still sinners, even knowing all the mistakes we'd make and all the dumb things we would do, God still sent Christ to die for us in advance just to make a way for us to come back. And that shows his great love for us. Amen. So you make it to camp out. How is that after having not really been around church for years? It was awkward. Three days later, I'm sitting there questioning, why did I even come here? When I fell asleep, I had another dream. And in this dream, this time I was walking with all my friends that I was hanging out with. And we were so drunk. I All of a sudden I heard this siren go off. And I knew it was a tornado siren. And I saw all my friends running as fast as they could away from me. And all of a sudden I see this black funnel in the distance and it just comes right up on me. And I remember getting picked up and I remember getting suffocated from the wind, debris hitting me. And right before I was about to die again, in my dream, I heard the words three times, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. Like really fast, really scary. And I jumped out of my bed. I'm spooked. I I didn't know what was going on. I was, I was confused. So I stayed in my room all day. And finally, I was like, I'm bored out of my gourd. I got to go to this meeting. At least I'll see people, you know. So I go in the back of this meeting and I'm in, in the back, you know, and I'm 
kind of just like, you know, I don't care about this kind of vibe. And Brother John DeBatis got up to speak. He got up and he said, brothers and sisters, I know I was supposed to open a service, but I feel the Lord prompted me to put these chairs up. I know that there's people in this room that need the Lord Jesus Christ. And as soon as he started talking like that, it was like he was in my mind. And I thought to myself, I'm not getting up for prayer. I don't like that kind of attention. My heart started pounding so much that I was driven to that seat. So he starts praying and brother John is very passionate in his prayer. And I start feeling this overcoming feeling of this heat, like a fever. It was like, you know, you have a turning stomach and it hurts and you want to, you're nauseated. That's how I felt everywhere in my body. It was just consuming me with so much discomfort. Like I was thinking, I'm getting out of my chair. I'm running out of this building. I felt so uncomfortable. We both burst up and he burst up in the spirit and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. And literally this feeling just rushed up out of my head. And I felt God's spirit so strong that I was paralyzed for probably a good five minutes, just weeping and feeling his love, feeling his spirit. When I got up out of the chair, I felt like light as a feather. People were coming up to me and like, Mark, you even look different. I mean, how are you feeling? And I was like, I feel great. And this lady comes up to me and she's like, I, I, I had a vision and I want to talk to you about it. I was like, okay. You know, and I was like kind of stead. I was uncomfortable at that point. And she said, um, as the elders formed a circle around those that asked for prayer, the angels formed a circle around the elders, but their circle was about six rows deep. I saw the spirit of Jesus Christ appear and he wore a robe of pure gold. Jesus stood with each elder as they came forward to pray, touching each young person with his hands upon their heads. But when Mark was being prayed for, she said, but when you were being prayed for, I saw a gold funnel. She's like, like a tornado. And the spirit of God came over me so strong when she said that. And she described, she was describing the dreams that I had for so very long. It was, on, it was like God was speaking directly to me. And she said, and right in front of Mark was a vapor of gray, black smoke, which I knew was evil. This smoke kept turning and twisting up and down. I felt this in my body. Exact. It was like she was in there and she knew it. And as soon as the brother finished his prayer, the evil vapor shot upward through the gold funnel and it was gone. And I'll tell you, brother... I don't think I've ever been more convinced, even to this day, that God is real. And even after that, who would have thought I would even have to think about it? Oh, I have to think more about being baptized. I knew myself and I thought, man, I just don't want to fall away. So I went to the room, I knelt down, and there was no AC in these rooms. I'm sitting there praying to the Lord, please, Lord, give me peace about this decision. Make me feel sure this cool breeze came over my head and all through my body to my toes. And all of a sudden my heart went from beating out of my chest, anxious about this decision to like, you ever see the sea when it's calm, it's like a mirror. It was, it, it, that's how I would describe it. And I knew right then I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going for it. And I went straight up to Doug and I, I got to talk to you, Doug. And he's like, he's like, I know what you're about to say. Someone just spoke in the gift of tongues and told us that you were coming to ask for your baptism. And so that's how it happened. And 
in my mind, for so many years, I thought I need to be good first, right? I need to have my, my ducks in a row. I need to have a job. I need to be loving. And I need to be all these things that God makes us. I need to have those before I got baptized. That's what I had in my mind. I have to get right before I get baptized. I, I wasn't even a good person. I, I, I literally did not care about people or myself. And so therefore, when you're thinking that you're too bad, when you're thinking you have too much sin in your life, you have too many secrets, guess what? That's the evil one talking to your mind. And don't give it one minute. Don't entertain one minute of those thoughts and get on your knees and repent to the God that created you. In that meeting where everyone's here for a preaching service and God says, you know what? There is one soul here that really needs a prayer service right now. It's like an example of, of the, the shepherd leaving the 99 sheep to go find that one lost one. Amen. God literally redirected the entire camp out meeting for the sake of your soul. That's just another example of how much God Amen. loves every one of us. And he, and guess what? He loves us on our worst day. On our worst days, he loves us. So finally, God has got your attention. He showed you how much he loves you despite everything. You make the commitment and get baptized. Now camp out ends, you go back to real life. How are you dealing with trying to change your life and put away your past? I started off really good. I wasn't doing any, I wasn't doing any drugs. I wasn't drinking. I was even actually hanging out with the same crew. And I literally told them I got baptized. I told my testimony. I told the experiences and they really were rolling their eyes. They didn't really believe but little by little, when I was saying, no, I don't want that. No, I'm not going to do that. These people that were lifetime, like drug addicts and, and, and criminals, for that matter, they started doing things that were more wholesome, like going bowling. We still, we weren't perfect and they weren't perfect. Um, one of my buddies, they were all drinking one night and I wasn't. And he said, you know what? Just have a beer, dude. It's not going to hurt you. Like, what, what's a beer going to You're going to go to hell for a beer? And I thought to myself, you know, that's fine. You know, I can have a beer. You know, I went from drinking that beer to starting getting buzzed every day to start getting drunk again, start smoking pot again. I ended up being so drunk all the time that I had 25 warrants out for my arrest by the time I woke up from the binge I was on. And they sent me to jail. And I prayed the most dry prayer of repentance I ever prayed. And they're like, Cadalesi, you got a, a, um, a surprise sentencing hearing. And immediately I was like, oh my goodness, this is not going to be good. So I go and meet my lawyer and she looked at me and she said, you know, I've tried my hardest to keep you out, but this time is not going to be, it's not, you're, you're going to serve some kind of time. So just get ready for it. And as soon as she called my name, I stood up. And all of a sudden, the spirit of repentance filled my body, and I just melted into weeping. She was trying to talk to me, ask me questions. I wouldn't talk because I could not, I could not pronounce anything because I was weeping. I was crying. She goes, in the 20 years I've been a judge, I have never let off someone with this many offenses. But for some reason, and she even started tearing up a little bit, I feel that you're sorry for what you've been doing. I, and she said, when you get out in 10 days, you will not have probation. All charges will be dropped. But I'm going to tell you, 
you will spend a minimum of two years in prison if I ever see you in this courtroom again. I felt God's spirit come over me. I felt forgiven. I was skipping out of that courtroom. Like, I cannot believe this. My, my lawyer was, she was like, the Lord is on your side. I can't even tell you how much of a miracle that is. And I went back into my, my house and I was probably a weekend of just bearing down, checking that box. I didn't do anything today. Like trying to fight the temptations that I had, you know? And then finally I thought, you know, I kept going to church and this brother said, you know, have you been fasting and praying about this? I'm like, I can't go without food. I I'm so cranky right now. I want to eat something, you know, like, and he's like, it doesn't, it's, it's not all about the time. It's about your heart and where it's at. So set aside some time for fasting and praying. He said, even if it's a few hours, just call it fasting and praying and dig deeper. You know, you need to seek God for these things. So what did I do the next night? I'm trembling. I want to go out. I have girls calling me, guys calling, Hey, let's party. Let's do this. And I was trembling. And so finally, I was like, okay, I'm going to kneel down in my basement and I start praying. And all of a sudden, I started praying for other young people that I knew that were either struggling with the same things or fell away from the church. And I started to just break my heart to the Lord for these individuals. And then as powerful as that prayer was, I don't remember ending it. I fell asleep to a dream, okay? And in this dream, I was in a field and I looked to the left, I looked to the right, and I saw all the young people that I ever knew, they were all there. And then I saw Christ right in front of us. And he waved us on. And there was this big, huge mountainside with these woods. And, and it was just this huge hill. And he waved us on. And he started running up this hill like it was nothing. Like it was just smooth ride. And we started running so passionately with all this zeal, with all this excitement. We were excited. We we're like, let's follow him. Let's go. We'll go to the end. And as I started running, I started feeling like this mud sliding down the hill and I started backsliding. And we just kept getting back up, falling down, get it back up, falling down. And finally I fell for the last time. I had no energy. I went, I depleted every resource I had, my ability my strength. I depleted it all trying to follow him. When I fell, I felt this mud over my body. And it was like the weight of a car. And all I had strength to do was, was raise my hand and call out to Christ. And once I did that, he floated back down this mountain, grabbed my hand. And immediately I was clean, as my dad would say, clean as a whistle. And he took me up this mountain where the young people were all up there and we were embracing each other in the spirit of God, celebrating and, and joyful that we made it. And then I woke up to my alarm the next morning. What he's trying to say is we need to depend fully on him. He only has, it. he's the source. And if we're busy fasting and praying and seeking him out, that's where our strength is going to be. It always is an anchor for me when I'm struggling with something. I always look back to it and I say, okay, Mark, let's go back to what he told you. He told you not to try on your own, not to try every little thing before you go into prayer, right? But to depend on the God who saved me. He gives us the love. He gives us the forgiveness. He gives us those things that we need to succeed spiritually. 
it's that is awesome what God has done and how God takes our lives and redeems them and turns a mess into something beautiful. I have so many blessings right now that I would never had had it not been for the brothers and sisters of the Church of Jesus Christ praying for me. Now, now, mind you, there are so many people like me that are still suffering. Some of my friends have died. Some of them are in prison for life. Okay? That doesn't always end like this. To be honest, it's not ended yet. You know, I'm still trying every day to remember to not depend on myself. I have a beautiful wife. I have a 10-year-old son named Isaiah, which I love so much, and he is such a good boy. And I have my son, Michael, eight years old. I'm praying and hoping that my boys can bypass all the stuff that I went through. All of us, if without the grace of God, would be so lost. And thank God, even when we do mess up, he's still rooting for us, and he still wants to see us come back to him. So thank you, Mark for joining us, for sharing that testimony. Thank you. To everyone in the audience, we'll catch you next time. God bless you. I'm Paul from Stewartsville, New Jersey. Make sure to like and subscribe, leave a comment, and share with someone you know. Thank you. Thank you.